Welcome to the pilot episode of my podcast, The Durham Difference, where I will take you behind the scenes of real estate, provide knowledge and education and training, tell you fun stories, entertain y'all with uh, things going on in my life and that I get to see and do. Um, episode one today is going to be my origin story. How, and more importantly, why did I get into real estate? What am I doing? What is the Durham difference? Um, so sit back, relax, put this on, uh, unless you're driving, and, you know, pay attention. Hands on the wheel, 10 o'clock, 2 o'clock. And hopefully you guys will enjoy hearing about how I got into the business that I'm in right now. Um, first off, let me tell you who I am and what I do. You probably know this already, but my name is Jameson Durham. I am the managing broker for Blackwell Realty on Trinity Lane in East Nashville. We have three offices, our Nashville office, one in Lebanon, one in Carthage. I am a lifelong Wilson County resident, uh, grew up in South Wilson County, live in Lebanon currently, been in real estate since 2017, um, gold service award. Um, recipient from the National Association of Realtors for 2018, 2019, and now 2020. I sell dozens of homes in about a nine-county radius around Nashville every year. And I'm on the Eastern Middle Tennessee Association of Realtors Community Relations Board. That's a new thing that I picked up. Uh, my office in Nashville, we have about 53 agents. We did around 60 Seven sixty-eight million dollars last year in sales out of our office. Um, I love it, but that's that's your thumbnail sketch of what I do and who I am. And now I'd like to tell you about how I got into real estate. Uh, this is the second time I've recorded this podcast. The first time did not catch everything, so <sighs> we're gonna go a little off script and freestyle it this time and. Maybe make it a little shorter and a little peppier than the original version. So I'm going to take you in the Wayback Machine all the way back to 1999. I was a young man in my early 20s. I just left a three-year job at a distribution center in Lebanon, and I started working for Walmart. Had a buddy of mine that had moved back to Lebanon that had taken over the photo lab here, and he recruited me to come work for him. I didn't know anything about developing pictures or cameras. All I knew is that they had air conditioning and heat, which were two things of the place I'd worked three years previously, were in short supply of, so it seemed like a good good gig while I was waiting for my rock star career to take off and you know get signed and sell millions of records. So I started with Walmart in 1999. Again, working in the photo lab, developing pictures off film back when that was a thing, selling cameras. Um, and what I quickly learned, this first job I'd had in a long time where I was customer facing and dealing with different people every day as opposed to the same same group of folks behind closed doors day in, day out. So one of the things that I really liked about that job is every day was a different challenge. Everybody would come in there with a different problem why didn't my pictures turn out? Why is this, you know, green and fuzzy? Where are my pictures? They're lost. Hey, why, you know, why does this camera suck? It was always new problems and new situations. 
and quickly I learned that I was really good at being nice to people and providing better than average customer service, especially for a place like Walmart. And I was good at solving their problems and they would leave in a better position than what they came in. So I thought that was really cool and uh, really started taking some pride and joy in what I was doing there. So eight months later, I got promoted to a salary manager position with Walmart. I was 24 years old, making $24,000 a year. And I was so excited because, boy, that was big money in my mind back in 99. Um, so excited about that. And that started an 18-year career that at one point, if you'd ask me, hey, I'm going to retire from this company. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Um, I worked up, worked my way up to assistant manager, ran everything you could run in a Walmart as an assistant, fresh, um, fresh food, consumables, overnights, apparel, the front end, garden center, hard lines, home lines, electronics, everything. Um, but before that happened, back when I was still running a photo lab in Hermitage, Tennessee, we decided or we had the opportunity to buy our first house. And that was back in 2006. And this was the first, this was the beginnings of the Durham difference. Okay. So in 06, my wife's grandfather passed away and he had a house on the West side of Lebanon in the Maple Hill area. Great location. Still love that neighborhood to this day. It's one of my favorite neighborhoods in town. Um, and we bought that house directly from her mother and her stepfather-in-law. So no realtor involved, just, hey, you want this for it, we'll give you this for it. Um, let's go figure out how to get that money. So I didn't know anybody. I didn't know any real estate agents at the time, really. I didn't know, definitely didn't know any mortgage people, bankers, stuff like that. Um, so my sister said, hey, call this guy. He did our mortgage. Okay, cool. I got a friend in the diamond business. Let's go. So I called this guy and we met him at the Chili's in Lebanon and had dinner and told him all our, our problems with our credit. Um, like I had, at, I was 30 years old at that point. I had no credit. I never had a credit card. I'd never had a car loan. Um, never had any bill in my name. I mean, I was a credit ghost, but I was making at that point probably close to $50,000 a year as a photo connection center manager. So I knew I had the money. I just couldn't prove that I would pay. So my first red flag with this guy was we, he did not buy our dinner at the Chili's. You know, we put it on separate checks. I'm like, man, you're in a suit. You know, you're a banker or whatever. We're trying to bring you business and money. You think he would pay for my dinner. That seemed how things should work in my mind. And that was a red flag. Um, and then we went our separate ways. He started working on the file or whatever. We moved into the house. We're living in the house and we went through a 90 day ordeal with this fella about him struggling to get us approved for a loan. And he would not communicate. He would not tell us every week where we were at we weren't getting phone calls emails i'd have to call and track him down and and bug him and 
all I would hear is, oh, it's so hard. You know, you just don't have any credit, blah, blah, blah. It's so hard. Um, a lot of run around and, and is really getting kind of discouraged by the whole process. And finally, as you know, the, the cherry on top of this was it was inventory day at my store, second biggest day of the year behind Black Friday company comes in, they count all your merchandise and they see basically how much you're missing, how much was stolen from you, how much you lost or whatever. So it's a pins and needles type day for everybody in that store. Uh, big day. So we get called to uh, a meeting, me and the tire and lube manager get called to the office for a conference call. Tire and lube is where you get your oil changed and your tires put on in Walmart, of course. We were special divisions. We operated slightly outside of the Walmart management hierarchy. We were kind of our own bosses to a certain extent. We had a separate level of oversight than the store manager. But so we go to this phone call, conference call, pins and needles day, and we find out that our jobs have been eliminated. They're doing away with these positions. They don't know where we're going, what it's going to look like. There will be a severance of some type. Thank you for your service. Please go back to work. Like, oh my God, are you kidding? So I'm living in this house that I don't know how I'm going to get a mortgage for. And now I'm not going to have the $50,000 a year job. And if he could have gotten us approved two months ago, at least I would have the mortgage. Um, so man, that was a rough day. So right after that call, this guy calls me, the mortgage guy calls me. And he says, hey, man, great news. We got you approved for a loan. And I'm like, okay, that's good. I'm not going to tell you I'm about to lose my job, but okay. He said, it's 8.5% adjustable rate. I was like, okay, hold on. Adjustable rate. So you're saying the rate can go up? Yeah. It can go down too, but it can go up. So 85 if you don't know, that was still pretty damn high in 2006. That's a high interest rate. And I, I mean, I, again, so I'm just shocked and horrified. And I call my dad from work, kind of tell him what's going on. He's like, hey, call call my friend down here at Liberty State Bank. Talk to him and see what he can do. So I talked to that guy. They had us approved in two days. Two days. 90 days with this guy. Two days with this bank. We closed. Um, so at least I had the mortgage. I had the house. Um, didn't know what I was going to do with the job as far as that goes, but we finally got that done and I should have called that guy from day one, but there's a slogan that I like to use and it's who you work with matters. And that was the first example in my life of who you work with matters because this guy was not the right guy for our needs and, and our situation. But I, at the time I was like, Hey, a mortgage is a mortgage you know, McDonald's, Burger King, whatever, there's not that much difference. And with this being a family sale, you know, we didn't use a realtor, didn't see the need for one. So the 90 day period that we're living in this house, wondering if we're going to get to stay here, I didn't have an advocate. I didn't have anybody to give me advice. I didn't have somebody I could call that could make things happen for me. I mean, we were stuck out on an island for that whole situation and it was horrible. And that stayed with me until well, today on how to treat people and how 
how certain things should be done. I didn't know, I had no idea back then that I was going to be in real estate, but I knew I would never send that guy any business or recommend him to anybody. So long story short on that, I didn't lose my job. I, I transferred over as an assistant manager to a store in Smithville that was being built from the ground up. Uh, we hired a lot of people off the street and we put this thing together and that's where I learned really, and I didn't realize this at the time, that's where I learned how much I could connect with people and how much the people that you work with can mean to you and vice versa. So I'd learned problem solving, I'd learned processes and taking care of customers, but Smithville Walmart really taught me how to take care of and love on the people that you work with and build those relationships where people would, you know, do just about anything for you, work harder, um, work longer, really help you out and vice versa. Um, so that was fantastic. Kept moving up through the ranks in Walmart, got to go be a co-manager at a couple stores in Murfreesboro. And uh, eventually I wanted to be a Walmart store manager. That was my career goal. So I signed up for a store in Chattanooga. And I was a co-manager in Murfreesboro and my, my store manager at the time, Tim said, man, you're an idiot. I said, why do you say that? He said, cause, um, you're going to get the store and you're going to have to drive two hours a day to your store. I said, man, I'm not going to get that store. Nobody gets the first store they sign up for, but I do need to be interviewed for it. I need to go through that walkthrough process, have that experience. So when a store around Nashville comes open, you know, I've got that under my belt and I'll go in there and get that one. He's like, okay, but you're going to get that one. And I said, okay, if I do, you know, what's, I, I can drive anywhere. I can drive two hours a day for a year and make store manager money. That's perfectly okay. And fun fact on that, most people don't know this. And when it comes up, I, I like to watch people's jaws drop. When you tell them Walmart store managers make almost $200,000 a year, some of them, may make more than that. But my salary at that store was about $84,000 a year to start. And my bonus every year was like another $80,000. So, you know, I'm making 160. So you gosh darn tootin' right. I can drive two hours one way a day, four hours total for a year to go make that kind of money. And I love Walmart. I'm in it for life. Woo. Um, Three years later, <laughs> I'm still at that store. I'm driving a thousand miles a week, which is 52,000 miles a year, um, 20 hours a week on the road. I'm staying down there either at a friend's house or in a hotel two or three nights a week. A lot of times, um, money's great, but boy, my family life is a freaking shambles, man. I mean, I'm cranky. I don't ever get to see anybody. Um, but you know, Hey, what am I going to do and make that kind of money and provide for my family the way that I want to provide for them? So I might still be there doing that, but in 2016 had some massive life changes. Um, just, um, just rocked our world in 2016. My dad passed away in March. Um, later that year, my wife's mother passed away. Um, a friend of mine that was a store manager down there, he passed away and my market manager 
my boss down there had a heart attack. 10 years older than I, much better shape than I am, um, had a heart attack and almost died. So a lot of things happened in 2016 that really made me rethink what what direction I was going, what I wanted to do with my life, what I needed to do with my life. So during that year, um, we sold my mom and dad's house in December. My mom lived there from March to December on her own. I, you know, I, I wanted to go out there every week and check on her, but that was almost impossible with my work schedule. She stuck it out and tried to do well, but she just really wasn't doing good. So December of 2016, she spent um, some time in the hospital. I took a month off from work to care for her. She almost died. It was really bad. So we decided to sell her house and move her in with us. We had to sell my wife's house and then we needed to buy a bigger house to uh, have a place for my mom. So that was through real estate transactions in 2016 that, that we had to go through. And again, I learned more about what the Durham difference would be from how that went and how who you work with matters. So when we were looking for a house, we went to some open houses. There's one neighborhood that we live in now that we knew we really wanted to be over here. It was close to where we already were ticked all the boxes, whatever. So we went and looked about seven houses in this one neighborhood and we walked in and there, you know, there's an agent sitting there in a little folding chair and she's playing on her phone. She says, Hey, if you have any questions, let me know. And then just kind of goes back to her phone. I'm like, cool. All right. Well, we're, I guess we're on our own for the grand tour here. Um, and I knew like, I mean, we all knew my mom loved it. My wife loved it. I said, this is the house. So I probably would have just had that agent write the offer for us because here's a real estate agent on premises. What does she do? She sells houses. Um, but she seemed so indifferent to uh, getting out of her chair and putting her phone down. I thought, man, who do I know in real estate? It's like, hey, you know, I think my buddy Dave works for some real estate company. I see him on Facebook, whatever. So I called David with Blackwell. I said, hey, man, I need you to write an offer on a house for me. He's like, okay, sure. So he did. And, you know, that cost that agent probably about $15,000 that she did not get to write that. Um, and it was good money for Dave. And I appreciate you, David, so much for doing that. And you took great care of us. Thank you so much. Um, and then I also had to sell my mom's house again. Didn't This was kind of happening at the same time. Didn't really know anybody, so I called a buddy, said, call this guy. Um, we got that done off market. And just but the whole time with that, again, that same kind of stress and that I went through with my first mortgage of this agent doesn't really represent us per se. He's what's called a facilitator. Um and three houses in a year was pretty stressful. And I learned a lot and I really got to know a little bit more about Blackwell Realty and got to see like pictures of their Christmas party and things that Dave was doing with the owners. And I thought, man, what a cool, like family looking organization. It's kind of small, but kind of big, but they're local and you don't have like a board of directors in Arkansas. And, you know, I was like, man, I would love to work for a company like that do something like that. 
that just seems really the way to do it. And then, you know, I'd slap myself and be like, okay, back to reality, man. We got 72 pallets of freight in the back room that we got to get off the floor before anybody goes home today. So, um, but what, once something gets in your mind, or at least when it gets in my mind, it gets pretty hard to ignore. So that, that was kind of just germinating in the back of my brain, um, that I had to do something different. Didn't know what it was, but I knew I'd have to go big or go home kind of, um, So around that same time, and I don't know about y'all, but like I used to dread, I was usually off on Sundays and Sunday nights were the worst because Sunday night, you think about Monday morning, you're going back to your job, back to the headaches. What's happened on my day off? What problems am I going to walk into? You know, what, where's the fires and how bad is this Monday going to be? And that was pretty much every Sunday for a long time for me. And it was just part of it you know i didn't i just that's life um so i saw this video on youtube steve harvey from family feud and you know search this out it's called jump and i'm totally okay if you pause this right now and go watch that and you know come back to me but even if you don't it's probably more important that you go watch that video right now and finish listening to me tell you about my origin story so this video steve harvey basically just kind of throws it out there that life is short. You've got to do what you're put on this planet to do. You've got to find your purpose and you've got to jump and it's going to be rough and rowdy. Um, interesting. As I look out my window here. Um, so once I got that video, man, I went to work Monday morning. I showed it to a friend of mine that worked for me. It's like, dude, check this out. He's like, Ooh, that's powerful stuff. I'm like, it is. It was like church preaching. Man, it hit both of us like a ton of bricks. It hit me. I still show that video to people today. I want you to go watch it. But that video is in the back of my head. Like, man, I got to jump. And it's going to be ugly and it's going to hurt. And there's going to be problems and pitfalls. But everything is hard. You got to choose your hard. You know, being broke is hard. Having money is hard. Being fat is hard. Being in shape is hard. Choose your hard. Um, and I'll tell you another thing that happened to me around that time where I knew I had to make some life changes. Um, I had bought uh, an Infinity G37, got my store manager bonus, um, you know, had an extra 16 grand burning a hole in my pocket or whatever. So I went out and bought this Infinity cash money as a fun car, a little two seater. Um, it was fast. I love that car. I was driving to work and I'd go down 40 and get to cook full, turn off on 111 and take that the rest of the way into Chattanooga. So I was going down 40 around exit 273, I think, which is Silver Point exit. And I fell asleep because I'd leave my, I'd leave the house about five o'clock in the morning to get to my store by seven o'clock. So I fell asleep doing about 110 miles an hour and woke up going up the exit ramp um boy you talking about getting bright-eyed bushy-tailed at that point crossed over the road there got back down the exit ramp and back on the interstate just like that bam ah, we're back uh horribly frightening scared the hell out of me 
But my first thought after, you know, pooping my pants was, you know what? If I had died, I wouldn't have to go to work today. That was literally how I thought that. If I had died, I wouldn't have to go to work today. Not if I was in the hospital. Not if I'd blown a tire. If I had died. And part of me was okay with that. And part of me was very much not okay with that, which is the right, you know, right decision there, in case you're wondering. Uh, and I knew, I was like, man, I've got to find something. I've got to do something different than this. This is crap. Um, so um, right around Memorial Day, I came home from work. And I, my wife was sitting on the back porch, and I'll never forget it. And she won't either. She said, what are you doing home? I said, I quit. She said, what? I said, I quit. She said, what are you going to do? So I'm going to go upstairs and sign up for real estate school. My wife's been a stay-at-home mom for the last five years. And she looked at me and she said, that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard. You know, I, not exactly the encouragement I was looking for there. I said, why do you say that? And she said, because you don't know enough people in Lebanon sell real estate you're not old money in lebanon you're not connected in lebanon there's too many other people selling real estate she's like how many people do you know I'm like well i know a few now too many people selling real estate all these reasons why it would not work if i tried it why i would fail and god bless her all of those were legitimate concerns and real reasons but I had watched a Steve Harvey video on YouTube. I was ready to jump. So I jumped and I made a deal with her. I said, hey, if I don't sell a house between now and Christmas, I will go back and get a quote real job. I'll go back into retail. I'm sure I can go get a job at Publix or Kroger's or God forbid, get on my hands and knees and crawl my way back to Walmart. So well, I did it. She was terrified. My light went to real estate school, signed up for it, started that next Monday. Um, I did both courses simultaneously, burned through about 120 hours worth of coursework, 14 days straight. Um, went and took my state exam, passed the state exam on the first try, and my license was activated July 28th. Now, I guess I should stop here and talk about why I chose real estate. Okay, why not just go to a different retailer, do what you know, you know, why did I pick real estate? Dramatic pause. In my opinion, from what I've seen, I talk to a lot of people all the time that want to get into real estate. They choose real estate because they think there is freedom in it meaning they can work whenever they want to. They can get up at 10.30, go into the office, be home by 3, and that, and then the money is going to roll in. Or they think the money is going to be easy. So I knew enough. I didn't know anything about real estate per se, other than what I knew, which wasn't much. But I knew it was going to be nights and weekends, because it's like Walmart. When are your customers and your clients shopping? when they're off work, which is nights and weekends. I knew it was going to be hard work. I knew it was going to be a lot of processes. And I thought, as I'm looking for a new career, what am I good at? 
I'm good at people. We, we figured that out earlier in the podcast. Walmart taught me how to take care of customers. I knew how to return emails. I knew how to answer phone calls because if you got, we had an app on our phone that kept us tied into Walmart 24 hours a day. If I got an email on vacation, by God, I better respond. If I got a phone call at two o'clock in the morning, I better respond. That might be somebody ripped a gas line out of the ceiling and receiving. So I was used to nights and weekends. I was used to being process driven where I had to execute and implement complex tasks in a very precise way. So I knew I had the skills. I just didn't know if I knew enough people and if I could figure out the whole, you know, sales piece thing. Cause I hate salesmen. I mean, I don't hate them, but like nobody likes to be sold. Nobody likes a salesperson that's, you know, slaps the hood. Well, what's it going to take to get you into this baby right here today? Um, that worried me, but I knew I was going to have to approach it differently. The damn difference. Um, and not be a salesperson per se, but be an advocate and an educator and be that person that had your back, that could give you the right information, that could eliminate the obstacles, get them out of your way, solve the problems and get it done. So I thought there's no way I can fail at this. I'll figure the rest out, but I've got the core tools to do the job. So that's why I picked real estate. And I'm not going to lie, I picked real estate too because I wanted to continue to make six figures. And I knew if I started over at some other company, I probably wasn't going to immediately make six figures. I love the fact that in this job, you get paid exactly what you're worth. And if you go out there and you hustle and you grind and you stay after it, enough people are going to come to you. And if you're good at it, you're going to make money while you're taking care of people. So literally it sounded like the perfect job for me. And I thought, where am I going to go? You know, you go to class and they say, interview five brokerages and pick one. Thought about my friend Dave at Blackwell. Thought about those Christmas party pictures I'd seen on Facebook. Thought about how they were local. It's like, man, that's where I'm going. So I called John Blackwell, had a conversation with him. I was so nervous. I was like, what if he doesn't want me? Um, oh my God, you know, really want to go here. And, uh, after five minutes, he's like, man, yeah, come on, come on, dude. We'd love to have you. And I tell you a fun, fun story about that. About a month after I got my license and I rolled up into the office in Nashville, even though I was licensed at Lebanon, but I liked the vibe of the Nashville office. I roll up in there and John's car is in the parking lot. And so like, okay, here's my boss's car in the parking lot. Here's the owner's car in the parking lot. He's the, you know, C-O-O-O-E-O -O -O -E -O of this whole shebang. And my initial thought was, I'm, gl I'm, I'm glad he's here. And I'm going to tell you, when you're a Walmart store manager and you come back from lunch or something and your market manager's car is in the parking lot, your first reaction is not, boy, I'm glad Jeff's here. No, sir. It's, oh, my God. You know, how long has he been here and where's he been digging? Man, I hope he's not looked in the dairy cooler yet. Oh, my God. So that that was when I knew, one of the times that I knew I was on the right track and I'd made the right decision with what company I wanted to be with. So license is active. All right, here we go. My first client calls me, Casey Woodard. Casey, uh, God, I hope you're listening to this. If you're not listening to this, probably nobody will. 
But Casey called. He worked for me in Walmart in Lebanon. He's like, man, I, I saw you get into real estate. Will you help me find a house? I was like, man, yo, my God. Casey, I've got no idea what I'm doing. But I will totally help you find a house. Thank you so much. Um, and we did it, man. We went and found him his first house. Um, he's still there today. He loves it. Um, what's up, baby? Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm recording a podcast right now. How about that? Isn't that fun? Yeah. You want to do a podcast later? I'll show you how to do it. Um, so, and that's another joy, guys. Here I am. Like it's, what time is it? It's two o'clock on a Thursday. And I'm working from home today. You know, I've been to the office, but I'm working from home. I've got an appointment at three o'clock to go look at a house with somebody. There's no freedom in success. There's no freedom in real estate, but you can, you can do your job from a lot of different places. Um, hood of your car, your garage, like right now. But so Casey was my first client. Casey, I'll always love you for that. Thank you so much, dude. Um, thank you for helping my wife realized that maybe we won't starve to death while I figure this out. And y'all, I sold seven houses my first six months in the business, which was enough to uh, convince everybody that, okay, maybe this isn't a fluke. Maybe he actually will be good at it. Um, so that was cool. And now, gosh, I'm also watching this guy out the, the window dropping off this piece of equipment. So, um, it's, it's been, it's been amazing. It's, it's wonderful to be able to use skills that it's taken me 20 years to develop and apply it to a, a new industry, which it's not that new to me anymore and to be successful and to help people. And the most rewarding thing is people like Casey and all my other clients that have trusted me to get those obstacles the hell out of their way, figure out how to make it work and get them what they want and get it, get it at the price that makes sense for them and negotiate and go in there and tussle with these other agents. And, and man, I just, I love it. And I, if nothing else from this podcast, if you make it this far, I hope that all y'all go watch that Steve Harvey jump video and find something that you love as much as I love doing this. So that when Sunday night rolls around, you're excited about waking up Monday morning and you're excited about going to do whatever it does that pays your bills. If nothing else, if you never call me for any real estate advice, I hope you find that and I would love to help you find what I found. So, y'all, thank you so much for listening to the pilot episode of The Durham Difference. Please like, share, comment, go review, rate this thing on, I guess it'll probably be on like iTunes and Spotify, all that stuff when I figure it out. Um, subscribe to it. Please let me know what you want to hear me talk about and I'll do it. I don't know what episode two is going to be about, but now that we've got the origin story out of the way, we can go talk about some fun stuff. Um, if you have questions about real estate, Call me, 615-879-5998. That is my personal sale. Yes, I just gave that out over the internet. No, that's no longer terrifying like it used to be. Email me at jameson, J-A-M-I-S-O-N, 
Durham one at gmail.com. Jameson Durham one at gmail.com. Find me on Facebook. Find me on Instagram, which is not nearly as active as I am on the Facebook. Um, my website is Jameson Durham real estate.com. Y'all, I would love to help you with any real estate questions that you have or whatever your needs are, or I'd like to help you just get right and uh, find something that you love as much as I do. Thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you soon.